Thank you, John. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Joshua Sarita, who's helping to serve our church today. If you could open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Um, that's our scripture this morning, and we're going to be looking at the uh, passage of scripture that deals uh, with Palm Sunday, which uh, this Lord's Day represents. And so we're going to read uh, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. So if you could open up your Bibles or your phones and read uh, together in God's word with me, that would be great. And uh, every day that goes by just increases uh, my longing, church, just to see you face to face once again. You are very missed and loved and you are being prayed for. Um, so let's look at Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11 on this beautiful uh, Palm Sunday morning. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Behold, your king is coming to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, glorious remembrance of your coming in to Jerusalem, your city, King of Kings, and uh, coming in and establishing your authority as king over the city of Jerusalem and, and the manner in which you did it. Touch our hearts today through your word and fill our hearts with hope. King Jesus, as we see you in your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, I also just want to give a brief word of thanks to uh, my kids and also to my wife, Shannon, uh, who helped me with the daily devotional posts on our church Facebook page. I couldn't do it without them, and uh, they love you, church, and they are feeling for you in this time. Um, I'm also really looking forward to this Good Friday prayer meeting coming up uh, this Friday through Zoom. I'm looking forward to our whole church gathering and uh, just crying out to God together. And I'm um, looking forward to being with you then. Uh, the first point we're going to look at is your king was promised. Secondly, your king has come. 
And thirdly, your king is coming again. So let's look first at your king was promised. In our Seeing Christ in All of Scripture series, we are in 2 Samuel, um, and we are seeing the life of David right now. He was the king chosen by Yahweh himself to begin the royal line of kings leading up to King Jesus. I was uh, reflecting on Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy, the royal line described in Matthew chapter 1 in that beautiful genealogy which leads up to the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's a kingly line. I was reading through it and it was affecting me so much just looking at the line of kings down from David and Solomon straight on down to King Jesus and was so moved by that. I had to just see it. I had to read it again. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem here, um, the prophecy of Zechariah is referenced as being fulfilled. And I want to refer to uh, Zechariah chapter 9 at this time because in verse 5 you see it laid out in Matthew 21, but I want to look at it in relation to Zechariah chapter 9. The word says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Do you see that promise? Your king is coming to you. And he's referenced here in Matthew 21 as a prophet. And uh, we're going to see that as, as Matthew 21 progresses, he also enters into the temple and he drives out the moneylenders there. And it shows that as, as, as high priest, he's also jealous over the temple. But he's also not just a prophet, not just a priest. He's also the king of Israel. And we see here, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We see these specific words of Old Testament prophecy through the prophet Zechariah fulfilled here in Matthew 21, proving that Christ is the king, the anointed one, the Messiah that the promised one that Israel was anticipating and looking forward to. In verse 10, what's not often looked at when you look here, you just see verse 9 of Zechariah 9 and verse 5 of Matthew 21. But verse 10 says in Zechariah 9, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he, speaking of the Messiah, shall speak Peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So we get a, a sense of the scope of this king's reign. It's from sea to sea, from shore to shore. And his rule will be over the nations and over all the territories of the earth. And at its height, the kingdom of Israel under David and Solomon's reign encompassed a, a large portion of territory all surrounding the north, northeast and south and west around Palestine. But, but it had never encompassed the whole earth. And, and, uh, th this reference here is that the Messiah's rule and reign will, will cover over the entire earth. And 
And actually moving on into verse 11, we see a little bit more as to what his work is going to accomplish in Zechariah 9. He's coming to bring peace and not war. And we also see in verse 11, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Zechariah 9, referenced here in Matthew 21 as being fulfilled with Christ coming into Jerusalem here, uh, mounted on the donkey, as he did on Palm Sunday, is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, long anticipated, the promised one, the anointed, the Messiah of the Jews coming in as their king to bring peace to them. And also, through the blood of his covenant, he promises that he would set prisoners free from the pit. This is a glorious, glorious promise, a messianic promise in the Old Testament, finding its fulfillment here on Palm Sunday. In 2 Samuel 23, in the passage uh, that followed the passage we looked at last week, we read about the mighty men of Israel. of of Israel's armies that served under King David. And it's a chronicle of the many men that served so heroically, strong men who served as mighty men of war under King David. And here we see coming into Jerusalem, the the mightiest man of all, the the God-man Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem not on a, on a white horse of power and military power, but coming on a donkey. He comes in lowly and humble as a king, not bringing war, but bringing peace and promising peace and also promising that, that through the blood of his covenant, that he also would deliver prisoners out of the pit. What glorious promises are offered up to us here through Old Testament prophecy referenced in Matthew 21. And uh, one of the things that we see here is in the manner of Christ's coming, uh, had he entered the city in regal pomp and splendor, it would have conveyed an entirely false idea of the kingdom. Now that is to come. In the second coming of Jesus Christ, we're going to see him come in all of his full majesty and all of his full military power, as well as all of his power and peace. But the method he adopts here coming into Jerusalem and establishing that he is the king of Jerusalem, establishing his authority as king over Jerusalem before the eyes of the people. He doesn't come with a herald coming before him with trumpets blasting and and. And, and declaring, here is the king. He comes in lowly on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, speaking to all loudly, but also very subtly to those who would be observant of the Old Testament scriptures, that here is the messianic king, God's promised one, the royal seed or offspring of David, who was going to usher in the, the fullness of the Second Samuel 7 Covenantal promise to David, which we looked at last week, of the eternal reign of King David and the one who will sit on the throne forever, King Jesus. Behold, your king has come. And the Expositor's Bible Commentary on Zechariah 9 says, He is lowly like the servant of Jehovah and comes riding 
not the horse, an animal for war, but because the next verse says that the horses and chariots are to be removed from Israel. But the, the donkey, the animal, not of loneliness, as some have interpreted, but of peace. Jesus came in humble and lowly, but the donkey throughout Old Testament history is, is seen as, as an animal whom dignitaries and those of high office would ride in. And you see this actually in Deborah's song in Judges chapter 5, verse 10. Deborah's crying out actually um, about the service of the warriors in Israel who worked a mighty victory. And, and she's, she's asking for the, the high dignitaries and public, public officials of Israel. She's saying, tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, you, you high and exalted ones, you who walk by the way. She's, she's talking about high public officials, those in civil authority over Israel and generations to come remember what my warriors did in battle. So the, the symbol of the donkey is, is, is one who, of a man riding in peace as opposed to wartime. And that's the image here of our lowly and humble servant Jesus Christ coming in lowly. He had already just recently spoken to his disciples how the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here is, is an image of him coming on the donkey, a symbol of peace, but also coming lowly before the people of Israel to save them, not from Roman military power, as many in the crowds supposed, but coming to save them of a much more serious and eternal foe, to save them from their sins, to save them from the wrath of God through the covenant of his blood, through the shedding of his blood on the cross less than a full week later on Good Friday. Christ shows his humility, his meekness, his intentions to accomplish peace, even as the prophecy speaks of his rule being from sea to sea and him delivering prisoners out of the pit. Your king was promised, point one. Now it's point two. Your king has come. This promised one who was to come, Jesus, was born humbly, and he came and he did not distance himself, Jesus, from the sick, from the crowds. He laid hands on them and healed them of their afflictions and their diseases. Jesus came and touched those who no one else touched and stopped for those no one else would stop for. And we have recorded in this passage that the promised one was to come, but here he is. He has come. King Jesus has come and he came into Jerusalem. And I've been thinking throughout this entire week, just of amongst people that I am aware of, just in my own life, I'm aware of just even the burdens that people are carrying all around me. I am aware of in this current season, people who are broken and grieving, even in our church family right now. People who are sick. People who are out of work. People living in fear. People separated and isolated from family. People who are angry. People who are weary. 
people troubled, people anxious, people in need, people in need of money, people in need of comfort, people in need of peace, people in need of hope, people in need of mercy and grace and forgiveness. Jesus came and he didn't come distant, but he came in amongst us to come and save us out of this fallen world, which is so filled with all of the troubles that come with living in this fallen world. My wife, Shannon, and I were sharing fellowship just over some of these points and just some of the effects of the coronavirus season on all of us. It's affecting all of us. And my Shannon was just saying that this life is strange and, and sad. And, and she had a real burden for 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 you, church, as well. And it was just God wants to remind you of how much he loves you. And she shared that with me last night, and I wanted to pass it along to you. God wants to remind you of how much he loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his own son to come and to come lowly and to come into Jerusalem as king on a donkey on Palm Sunday to usher forth his finished work, which would deliver you from being in prison and bring you out of the prison of sin and darkness and death under the fall and deliver you unto eternal life in Christ for all of you who will repent and believe. This account here of what happened, it shows the fulfillment of messianic prophecy that Jesus Christ is in fact the anointed one, the Messiah, the king from the royal line of David. Here is the final king. And this description here that you hear often on Palm Sunday is Hosanna or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That direct phrase is seen in Psalm 118, which, which was often sung during the Feast of Tabernacles where palm branches would often be used to set up tabernacles that would symbolize how God had redeemed his people out of Egypt and had supplied food and shelter for them in the wilderness when they were delivered out of bondage in Egypt. And Psalm 118 talks about Hosanna, and it's translated, if you look in the ESV, Psalm 118.25 is, Save us, oh save us, Lord. And and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was the, the, the cry unto the Messiah. It was a cry beseeching something from him, but also a cry of praise unto him. The, the word Hosanna in the Hebrew means, oh save, or Save us, we beseech thee. It's, it's an appeal, it's an imperative, it's a pleading unto the Lord to, to save us. We beseech thee. See, think of the king coming into Jerusalem during his Passion Week when he's going to suffer and die on the cross for their sins. They're expecting a king to deliver them out from underneath of Roman oppression. And they're, they're laying palm branches down and they're laying their cloaks down before the king coming humble on a donkey coming in, riding into Jerusalem. And he, in fact, is the Messiah who is coming to save. But in a manner different from what 
many of them were anticipating. The palm branches were a part of Jewish nationalism. And, and one, one source says that the people celebrated with great music. And the waving of palm branches during the Maccabean revolt in 141 BC. And actually even on the coins of, of, of the nation of Israel, palm branches are, are a sign of victory and they're a sign of prosperity. And, and, and it was thought that the Messiah would bring peace and prosperity. And he has in fact done that. The, the donkey image to the Jews would have also caused a connection to Jacob's prophecy about his son Judah all the way back in Genesis chapter 49. And I want to highlight that here in Genesis 49 verse 8. Let's look at this prophecy about Judah from Jacob, his father. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. You see a reference to the king coming from the tribe of Judah. And we see him powerful. Look at uh, verse 9 of Genesis 49 in the prophecy. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you see there's, there's a conquering king coming from Judah. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. And again, a reference to the kingly line that would come from Judah. Speaking ultimately of Christ, verse 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And tribute's coming to King Jesus on this Palm Sunday. But more tribute will come to him forever and ever when we celebrate him in the new heavens and new earth, in the new Jerusalem, all throughout eternity as we praise him. Until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Verse 11, look at this reference. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. Verse 12 says, his eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. This is an image of the prosperity spiritually that the king coming from Judah would bring to the people of Israel. That the vines in Israel would be so strong that you could tie your donkey and colt to them. And you don't typically think of vines as being so strong that you would actually be able to tie your animal to it like out of strength because the vine's so strong you can tie a, a strong animal or beast of burden to it and it won't be able to go anywhere. That's how great the vines in Israel are going to grow because of the prosperity that this king is going to bring in to Jerusalem. This image of uh, washing garments and wine, it's talking about wine being in abundance like water to where if the people of Israel desired to wash their garments in wine, they could instead of water because it's so plentiful and the abundance of the wine, it, it's symbolizing the, the material, yes, but also the spiritual prosperity of the kingdom of God when the Messiah comes and ushers forth his salvation when he saves. Verse 12, his eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. 
It's speaking to the, the health and the prosperity and the peace of the people of Israel that the Messiah from the tribe of Judah is going to bring. And here we have the king, the lion from the tribe of Judah coming into Jerusalem. And he's coming in humble because he's going to die humble and suffer humble on the cross, serving his people, laying his life down for his people later on that week. And he speaks like a king when he says, go and send for the donkey and it will be given to you. He speaks like a king. He thinks like a king. He acts like a king and he's treated as a king royally here and appropriately so as as garments are being laid on top of the donkey for the king of kings jesus christ coming into jerusalem the crowds gather and they are shouting hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord they're they're laying down palm branches symbolizing the peace and the prosperity that the messiah would bring they're laying down cloaks off of their backs symbolizing just their commitment and their belief in Jesus coming in to the city. And no doubt it enraged the Pharisees and the priests in the land who later conspired to put him to death. But as as some sought to rebuke those in the crowd in one of the other gospel sections, they tell uh, them to tell the children to keep quiet and tell these disciples to keep quiet and the people to keep quiet. And Jesus says, if they held their peace, the very rocks would cry out. That's how momentous this moment is, is that if the people weren't shouting, the rocks in Jerusalem would cry out because this is the God of all creation, the King of the universe, the King, the anointed one. This is a King whose kingdom is not of this world. It's on a higher plane and he comes displaying that his kingdom is not of this world by laying down his life humbly on a cross. Joseph Benson wrote, It is here foretold that the tribe of Judah should inhabit a fruitful land, and especially that it should abound with milk and wine, that vines should be so common and so strong that they should tie their donkey to them, and so fruitful that they should load their donkey from them, Wine being as plentiful as water so that the men of the tribe should be very healthy and lively, their eyes brisk and sparkling and their teeth white. In Christ, there is plenty of all that which is nourishing and refreshing to the soul and which maintains the cheers and divine life in it. In him, speaking of in Christ, we may have wine and milk, the riches of Judah's tribe without money. And without price for all of us who trust in Jesus, this great salvation and prosperity spiritually that we will enjoy, beloved, forever and ever in the new heavens and new earth, we will enjoy in the kingdom of our God because of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who has come. He had taught them that he had come to lay his life down as a ransom for many. And so he's not ashamed to come lowly. And he also wasn't coming yet to bring final judgment. That's the second coming of Christ. But for the first judgment of Christ and for the first coming of Christ, he's coming to establish peace. And it's not just peace man to man, 
and to give peace in Israel from being out from underneath of Roman oppression. He is seeking and he will accomplish this week peace and reconciliation between God and man and the war and the hostility that existed between man to God in our rebellion and sin. Jesus will die for sinners and lay down his life and deliver them out from being imprisoned in sin, setting them free, delivering them up out from the pit through his shed blood on the cross, the covenant blood which he would shed. And he establishes reconciliation and peace between God and man for all those who will repent and believe. And it would seem indeed that some at least in the multitude realized As Expositor's Bible Commentary says, through the Messiah was to be expected a deeper peace than that between simply man to man. This deeper peace may have been suggested to their minds by the words in the prophecy. And a striking proof of this is the fitness of his manner of entering into his capital. It's the purest, the highest, and the best thoughts stirred up concerning the kingdom which he claimed for his own. Save us, we beseech you. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They they pleaded and they praised even better than they knew. Because this is what this humble king was coming precisely to do. Thank you, Jesus. And the final point is your king is coming again. Your king is coming again. He came in his first coming on a donkey to shouts of Hosanna. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And if any had been silent, the Lord Yahweh himself would have seen to it that the rocks had cried out to praise him. For he was worthy of the praise which he received from the mouths of the people in Jerusalem. And he's worthy of the praise and the worship that we give to him today. But he's coming back again. Your king, brothers and sisters, is coming again as surely as he was promised to come in his first coming in the prophecy in Zechariah 9. Your king is coming again. And we see this in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, when the promise says, Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses." From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. And every eye will see him, the prophecy says in Matthew, when he returns. Verse 21 of Revelation 19 says, And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. He is coming back to bring final judgment upon the unrepentant and the wicked and to bring justice in this world that is so often seen to be without justice. He is coming, the victorious king, the resurrected king. And when he returns, he will rule over the nations with a rod of iron, just as all the prophecies about him say throughout all the scriptures. His rule will be from sea to sea and all the lands of the earth will be ruled over under the new heavens and new earth. From the new Jerusalem, this king who came humble on a donkey will come back on a white horse and he will establish forever and finally when he returns the full manifestation of his power and his rule and his reign. And we will enjoy King Jesus forever and ever. And we will be those, if you have believed and repented of your sins, we will be those of whom the prophecy in Zechariah spoke of. Prisoners in darkness who have been delivered out from the pit, church. Let us never forget in the midst of all of our sufferings and our afflictions and the time of, of being cast down and feeling the effects of the fall like we are, that these are the last days which we will experience the effects of the fall at all. Because when King Jesus returns, all of that will be forever behind our back and King Jesus will wipe every tear away from your eyes, my fellow brother and sister. If you haven't repented and trusted in Jesus, please, we plead with you, repent and trust in Jesus while there's still time. King Jesus will receive you and deliver you up out from the pit of your sin like he has delivered me if you'll respond to him in repentance and in faith. If you don't, you will be struck down when he comes and returns in all of his majesty and glory because this resurrected and powerful king when he comes back will establish ultimately and finally his rule and reign over all the earth and his people will enjoy him forever in heaven whereas unbelievers will be cast out from his royal and benevolent presence forever and suffer eternal judgment in hell but king jesus came so you can cry out right now hosanna Save us, we beseech you. Cry out, Hosanna, oh save. And he will save you, friend. He will save you if you repent and believe, just like he has saved me out from the pit that I was in. He will have mercy on you like he had mercy on Jerusalem here in this passage, coming in humble and lowly, about to become so humble that he would become obedient to death, even death on a cross. No, grab the donkey and I will ride in on the donkey. I will come in lowly as a king. 
But when he comes back again, he will come back with terrifying power upon the unrepentant and unbelieving. Please respond to him with humility. Respond to him. And as the crowds did here in Jerusalem, whatever you can do, take the cloak off your back and lay it down at his feet and shout out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lay down palm branches and symbol of his victory. Lay down the palm branch of your heart in repentance and in faith. Lay down the cloak and, and praise him and say, you are the Messiah. I believe you. I turn away from all of my unbelief and my apathy. And I trust in you, King Jesus. And our King will, in fact, save you. As he has saved us in Christ's community who have believed. Christ's community, be comforted in this truth today. In the midst of these troubled times under the fall. The King Jesus, the promised one. He was the promised king. The king has come. And the king will come again. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have come. And we say, Hosanna. Oh, save. We beseech you. Save us from our sins, king. Save us through the blood of your covenant. Save us out of the pit that our sins have put us in. No one else could save us out from that. To be delivered out from Roman oppression is an easy thing compared to saving people out of the pit of their sin. And saving them out from the wrath that their sins deserve. But God... You sent your son humble to come and do just that. We thank you, King Jesus, for laying down your life, for being the prophet, priest, and king, for being the son of God who came to deliver us from our sins. We love you and we ask that you would receive our praise as we close. We join in the anthem of your people on that day in Palm Sunday when they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We praise you and we thank you and we love you and we commit our hearts to you. Laying down our hearts, our cloaks, our palm branches as a symbol of your victory that you've won on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can look back and know, Lord, that you, you came in, Lord, to Jerusalem as a king, uh, conquering our sin, conquering death, Lord. We place our hope and our trust in you this morning, Lord. We cry out, Lord, as we reflect on the goodness of you, Lord, that we would we would just repent and turn to you. Lord, afresh and anew this day, Lord, for those who believe, for those who haven't, Lord, that they would trust in you this day as, as we celebrate, Lord, um, just your coming. Lord, and oh, we thank you. We thank you that you are coming again. Yes. We thank you, Lord, that the suffering that you suffered was not in vain, Lord. And likewise, the sufferings which we suffer are not in vain because you are coming again.
And we place our hope and our trust in you this morning. Amen.